Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Irish podcast. Smission Neil O'Shiel. We've got something slightly different in today's episode. A few weeks ago, myself and my colleague Owen sat down to discuss our favourite old Irish proverbs. Shannokal as Gaelige. We had a lot of fun talking about not only how they're used in context, but also the origins of these proverbs and the various possible interpretations of what they might mean. Shanukal are, of course, just one aspect of the language, but they, along with other nahanakainche, or turns of phrase, give great flavour to your spoken Irish so that it sounds more authentic and more natural. And if you want to find out more about Irish turns of phrase, how to weave them into your conversation naturally, why not consider membership of Bite Size Irish? We have online courses from absolute beginner to intermediate level, which you can follow at your own pace. And we also offer live online sessions to members at explore and grow level. Sound good? Go to www.bitesize.irish forward slash memberships, choose the deal that suits you best, and enter the code PODCAST for 10% off. Happy days! This is a long one, so over now to Owen and myself discussing Shannock O'Reilly. We're here because we collected our favourite. Um, Shannockel or Irish proverbs and myself and Neil we wanted to have a real chat about our favorites in the list and we also have a blog post that we linked in the description there's a recording for each of these and there's a bit more there's a few more proverbs as well on that uh, blog post so if you're looking for a reference in your own time we'll uh, give you a link. It's on the Bite Size Irish blog. It's called our Top Irish Language Proverbs. So, Neil, um, we're talking about Shannockle, um, mm-hmm. Irish Proverbs. So what's your understanding of that phrase in the first place, Shannockle? Well, Shannockle, of course, it's the word fuckle and uh, the prefix shan meaning old. So literally old word. Um, is the meaning of shanuckle, old word. Sometimes I uh, get a bit confused because I'm just talking about an older word we used to use for something, but I don't mean to say it's a proverb. So um, I suppose it does just mean old word, but in this context, a proverb, an old saying, a little nugget of wisdom from the olden days. Yeah, and I can only uh, guess that some of these proverbs sayings that we're going to talk about some could be much older than others and i'd also like to say to people watching and listening that 
you know, this is our interpretation of the Proverbs. Mm. And there might be like a context or an understanding that we don't cover today. Um, so we're not trying to be the absolute truth, but this is our understanding of the Proverbs and we'll add our uh, understanding around it. So, Neil, we have a nice list of Shanukkal and what we're yeah. going to do if you're watching this video on YouTube, we're going to show the proverb in the Irish language and then we'll speak about it in English. We figured it'd be more interesting for you to be able to see the written Shanukkal. So um, I'm going to ask you, Neil, uh, as we go through the list for each one. So what one will we start with today? Well, I think the only place to start is with this one. Tusmai Latna Hibre. So Tusmai Latna Hibre. In fact, we used this in uh, Bite Size for our courses in, in Ashtar um, for our kind of beginner's course for self-study online. We call it Tusma, based on this proverb, Tusma Latna Hebra. So that literally means Tusma, a good start, Latna Hebra is half the work. A good start is half the work. Um, I think we all know the feeling of maybe you've got an assignment to do or homework or even just study or any other housework or anything at all. And uh, sometimes the worst part of it is just getting started. But when you do get started, you find your flow and it seems to come a lot easier. Um, do you know that feeling yourself, Owen? Have you? I do. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm someone who loves to plan ahead. So I've, I've been known to have a notebook, pen, pencil and paper, and I love to jot down ideas. I've got many mm. more ideas than actually become reality. And then I love planning as well. So I'll make lists and try to organize myself. And if I do get organized, it feels good. But um, I have to often remind myself that taking action is the good start. So I can do all the planning I want and thinking about something. But when I get off to a good start, it's because I've done something about it. Yeah, take um, an action. Yeah. So there's real, there is a re real wisdom in this proverb to small uh, and mm -hmm. I think we'll see through this list um, that we'll see the, the wisdom in these proverbs. And I'm going to mention Neil that we're going to cover our favorite um, proverbs at the end of this conversation. Oh, yes. Yeah. So that was a lovely uh, too small uh, to our conversation. So Neil, what about the next one? What's our next phrase? Um, yeah, well, I'd just like to say, I think I'm like you, very much like you in that way. I'm a planner. I've got lots of to-do lists and, and notes and all of that. So, uh, yeah, the, the real, the truth of Tusma Latin Hebrew, I think we definitely both feel it. But on to the next one, Marshin. So, Sha'e, Neil Usel, na Ishel, a Hushel, Agus Hishel. Neil Usel, na Ishel, a Hushel, Agus Hishel. So you can hear the rhymes there, even if you don't know what everything means. It's it's got a lovely rhythm and rhyme going through it. Neil Usal na Ishal, there is no noble or lowly. Ah, but who is shall up for a while, August his shall down for a while. So there's no noble or lowly, but up for a while and down for a while. So what, what do you get from that one then, Owen? 
Mm. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's bringing to mind the word shaladuch, which is related to shal here, uh, which is temporary mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is such a real life lesson, isn't it? It's for me, it um, it's the same wisdom as maybe more Eastern traditions, like this too shall change. Nothing is temporary. And you might feel like you're doing great or you might feel like you're not doing great, (laughs) but it will change and it's temporary. What do you think? Ups and downs in life. Yeah. Um, And nothing is permanent like that. This too shall change is that nice way to say it. So we all have ups and downs. Nothing is permanent. Um, but it it even makes me think of because we have uso and that's the word for for noble something up very very sort of high in that sense. It even makes me think of politics and class and history and things like that too. You know, all of the noble houses and kingdoms and so on around the world, they weren't always noble. They found their way to being uh, quote unquote noble, and uh, sometimes fortunes can plummet or people you know. Um, can suddenly do well. So these things are not permanent. It's not who you are. This is just the conditions of life that can that can change, really. Um, I love it for the rhyme, you know, because we've got uasil and huis, which of course are both related to the, this as words meaning up in some kind of way, and ishil and his for down. Um, so the rhymes are lovely. Uasil, huishel. Ishel, Hishel. So it works really well for me. It's funny, isn't it, that there's this intertwining of, there's rhyme in a lot of these, but mm. it, it's the intertwining of rhyme, but there's wisdom in it too. Um, I think that's the nature of poetry sometimes, is that you, you're choosing words possibly for the sound of them, the rhythm, the rhyme, just the beautiful sounds together. But then you can discover wisdom in that, you know. Yeah, um, and it, you mentioned the nobility. It reminded me of the Stoics, um, like Seneca um, and mm-hmm. Marcus Aurelius, who uh, were at the very top of their own universes or near the top. Um, but at the same time, they practiced um living simple lives temporarily so it wasn't to disown what they had but it was to realize that life could be very different too and they could uh survive that also so it was a reminder that reality might not be what they're clinging on to right i might do that too i think uh, marcus aurelius was a roman emperor wasn't he so maybe i should live as a Roman emperor for a few days. I think I could, that could be beneficial to me. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, so it's a nice saying, isn't it? Neil usel na ishel ach hus shal agus his shal. All right. Okay, nice one, Neil. Um, so we'll move on to the next one. And um, the window's above me. It's raining today in here in Limnach, in Limerick. So our next proverb meal is well it's just about holding off in dublin i think but anyway this next one is about the rain nihe lan the bashti lan the bashti nihe lan the bashti 
Lan Labashti. And we were just talking about rhyme, and this one is all about the rhyme because it's just a, a beautiful, perfect little rhyme. Lan Labashti, the first time you read it with a B, is a, a rainy day, a day of rain. Um, but Lan Labashti, the second phrase at the end there with the BP, it sounds exactly the same, Lan Labashti, but it means the day of children. So a rainy day is not the children's day. Um, uh, you know, it's not, I imagine the kids are stuck in the house. They can't go outside and play. Um, do you have children yourself, Owen? Do you find it's, that this one is true? Well, um, I think maybe in modern life, it's more <laughs> like the parent, the parents have to like push them out despite the weather. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So it's the kids saying, oh, no, it's fine. It's raining. I'll go on the PlayStation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you know, you can put on your rain jacket and you can still <laughs> go outside. <laughs> so I wonder, is this Nihe Lanabashti, Lanabashti, has, is it kind of coming full circle? And uh, the pressure is on us to get out as much as possible. Do you get me? Yeah, well, times have changed and it, it, it's different these days. But But I think, you know, I've... I've heard, even from modern parents, I've heard this where, you know, a rainy day is tough because you're cooped up in the house and everyone's in a small space. And if it's a beautiful summer's day, like we've had a few of lately, um, people do want to be outside having fun. Yeah. Um, And I want to uh, link this to, you know, people learning the Irish language too. Like this, remembering a phrase like this might be interesting because... As you mentioned, Neil, the second Bosch D here is spelled with BP at the beginning of mm. the word. It's a grammatical switch. Mm. And a lot of people who come across this, um, especially if they haven't had Irish at school, um, the mm-hmm. pronunciation is just unfamiliar. And if you saw B and P written together, you, you've no idea how what the intention is, how that should be pronounced uh, so it might be a nice little way to memorize that okay yeah i think it's a great example yeah of um of what we call uru which also means um eclipse or eclipses so the bp the b has been added for grammar reasons um so we don't hear the original p in the word pashti we just hear the the new letter the b lanabashti so the thing is, that makes it a perfect rhyme. It sounds exactly the same as the other phrase. La nabashti, la nabashti. They sound exactly the same. Um, so that's a good illustration that we're not trying to say bapashti or something funny like that. Um, yeah, so it's a good example for you of uru, which is often called eclipsis in English. And it's one of our initial mutations when sometimes the first letter of the word can change for different grammar reasons. And we do have a special course on those initial mutations um, on Ashtar as well. Yeah, Ashtar, our language learning platform, self-paced mm-hmm. courses that Neil has been developing and uh, develops on a monthly basis um, for our members at Bite Size Irish. Yeah, and I'd like to point out Bostach as well. Bostach is rain. So that's the the um, uh, base 
form, uh, but it's changed around because of grammatical reasons. La na bashti, the day of rain. Um, so bashtach uh, transforms the bashti. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's good to just see that words do mutate like that in the Irish language for language learners. Yeah, both, both phrases are examples of the uh, sometimes dreaded, but I don't think it should be tishil ginajach or genitive case. Just it's a way that some nouns, um, most nouns, some more than others, they change, um, especially if we're saying of something. So we have the day of rain and then we have the day of the children. So both the words for children and rain have changed because it's, it's saying of the rain, of the children. So that's the tishel genajach or genitive case. So nice little handy example, maybe easy to remember as well. Yeah, and I, I'm actually a fan of the genitive case. <laughs> it's like you're creating something from nothing uh, conceptually in speech, the genitive uh, case. So it might just seem like, oh, that's just another grammatical phrase. Uh, but uh, conceptually, it's quite interesting if you dig into it. Definitely adds another flavour to the sounds of Irish because words change a little bit more than they do in English, um, let's say. But um, certain other languages have a genitive case too. Uh, Latin uh, does, maybe not modern Romance languages, but some other languages around Europe uh, do have a genitive case still. Well, um, I know in French it is there, um, especially mm -hmm. in the negative, like je n'ai pas de pain, I don't have bread or any bread. Um, so in the negative, it's the genitive uh, construction. Okay. Um, you're creating something of the bread. Mm -hmm. um, I would like to point out too, just on Irish language learning, like I refer back to my sons because we speak Irish together. Um, you know, they're uh, 10 and 7 right now. And uh, I'd say especially my 7-year-old, I mean, we speak Irish together. So it's it's our language of communication. But he wouldn't really have uh, the genitive case in speech. And he probably wouldn't understand very well if I used the genitive with him. And I bring this up because... It might feel like being a, an adult learner of the Irish language, it feels like, oh, God, like, I should know this. Um, it's really hard. I don't get why it's happening. Um, and I'd say, well, geez, even a kid who's brought up through the Irish language, going to Irish language school, is in an Irish language family or part of his family. And it's still... Um, difficult uh, for him because he doesn't have that full context of living in a Gaeltacht area. Um, the genitive is not something that's uh, natural to him, I'd say, in his Irish language speech. So it takes time. Um, so that's a way for me to say for Irish language learners, you know, go easy on yourself. We might be talking about the genitive case, but it takes time. Yeah, it's not a beginner's topic, really, the genitive case. It's more of a um, man level, intermediate level. Um, it's in phrases all around us all the time. Um, but uh, 
don't stress out about it too much at the beginning. But I, I do think when you're getting a little bit forward with your Irish, when you're developing, then it's a lovely, lovely feature of the Irish. Not a difficulty, but a, a lovely feature. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, on yes. So, Neil, how about we go on to our next Shannokal? Kinche sho e Atnian Kirog Kirog Bella. So, this is quite a famous one. Um, Atnian Kirog Kirog Ella. Um, one beetle recognizes another. So, we have the word Kirog here, which means a beetle. The insect rather than the Liverpudlian musician, of course. Atnium Kirog Kirogella. One beetle understands another. Do you think we have a, a similar way to say this idea in English, Owen? Oh, um, nothing is coming to me, Neil. Uh, maybe you have an example, but I definitely get the sense of it. Um, so for me, uh, it, it kind of it's a it's a metaphor um my, this is my interpretation of it mm -hmm. that one type of person um recognizes the same in someone else and we can be kind of drawn to people who have you know common interests maybe in one way absolutely um or yeah even uh, yeah special interests even it, is there anything coming to mind, Neil, of a, an English phrase? To yeah, well, we have the phrase, don't we? It takes one to know one. Oh, yeah. One to know one. So it could be a little bit of a negative trait, too, if I don't know, if if yeah. somebody is, is very cynical and they, they see someone else's behavior and read that as cynical, too. You know, maybe that's the bit of projection going on. Um, or maybe it's maybe it's truth. Maybe they, they identify cynicism on someone else's part. But I love the sense that it could be something nice too. You know, if you, if you, if you're a musician and you walk down the street, maybe you can spot the other musicians there too, because you know, you know, by that t-shirt or that that hairstyle or whatever it is, yeah. um, or or other other little um, uh, traits that might give give away people's identity. So it takes one to know one. Is that a bit negative? But Atnian Quiro Quiro Gela, one beetle recognizes another beetle. So like recognizes like. Mm -hmm. like recognizes like and it's interesting here the the irish form of it it starts with the verb ahnian and then ahnian kirog so a beetle recognizes and then the next word again is kirog kirogela another beetle so we're getting mm -hmm. um interesting repetition there which you wouldn't normally get well it's obviously another well-chosen phrase where there's rhythm and rhyme and repetition yeah. here and it comes because irish is a verb subject object language the verb is at the start that means the subject and object are next to each other and they wouldn't be in english they'd be separated by the verb in english so kirog kirog are together that can feel a bit weird at first i think but that's the natural word order in irish mm -hmm. also the word kirog i think is a nice one because one of the most common Irish language names is Kiran or, or Kira for girls. So they're all based on this word Kir, C-I-R-R. -R. So that's an old word for the color black. Shanukal, I could say again, but I, it's not a proverb in itself, just an old word. I think 
here, C-I-A-R, was an old word for black. So, you know, perhaps if you're, if you're, if you're calling your baby uh, Kiron, um, maybe he should have black hair. Maybe that's the oh. sense of it. Um, and obviously a beetle, the insect, is, uh, is black. So Kirog, you know, a little, little black one. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware of that. And so there's other names, um, two boys' names that come to mind, Fionn, which means mm -hmm. blonde. It's a quite a common name in Ireland these days. That could um, be your name. <laughs> what's that? That could be your name. It worked well for you. Yeah, it could. Um, but I have a bit of Rua as well through the grey. Um, so Ruary, um, which I guess is based on Rua being um, ginger. So Fionn and Ruary. So it's interesting, yeah, these um, characteristics. It's like, oh yeah, the dark child. <laughs> That's how I see it arising. Like, oh, there's the dark child. There's the ginger child. And they came, they kind of arose as first names then. Yeah, my friends have a poodle called Rua, red-haired, and I met this dog, and I thought, well, she's not red. She's like, oh, but when she was a puppy, she was very red-haired, but it, it just changed when she grew up. So, so she stuck with the name Rua, but she's more more of a typical blonde-colored poodle now these days. So, be careful; hair colors can change. <laughs> it can indeed. Okay, Integrafad. Uh, let's go on to the next one, Neil. What's the next one? The next one is possibly one of my favorites, although there's there's a bit of darkness under the surface too. Biensul Leshenvarige. Or I've heard another version, Biensul Lemwer. But either way, the word Mwer means Farage, it means the sea. And Sul, well, Sul literally means I, of course, but it also means hope in Irish. So Biensul Leshenvarige. There is hope in the sea. So that sounds very nice and positive. There's hope in the sea. And I think the sense is there's always hope. Um, hope springs eternal, something like that. Um, but there, there's an extra part uh, mm. to this proverb that we haven't um, included here. Have you heard the extra part before, Owen? Well, I've read it all right. Um, mm -hmm. uh, something like, um, well, Antalev no Uig. So what's the, the full phrase? Yeah, so there's a few versions of this one. There yeah. might be a few versions of some of them, but this one is not based so much on rhyme or, or the pure sound. So um, there are a few versions, but they all have the same meaning, really. Or so there's hope with the sea, but there isn't with the land. Or, but there isn't with the grave. So I think this has uh, got a, quite a dark backstory. Um, we can imagine fishing communities where the men would go out fishing in boats in the old days. And it was not an easy life. It was quite rough and dangerous and People would occasionally be lost at sea. But I think the idea might be uh, if, if the men had gone out and they hadn't come home, um, well, as long as there was no evidence, if there was, if there was no, nobody uh, in the grave or washed up on the shore, if there was no sign at all, we still had hope. 
You know, if you're still looking out to the seas and will they come back today, there's still a little bit of hope. But if something washes up on the land, then you know hope is over. So quite a dark uh, backstory to this one. But if you leave off the second part, being Sula Shivaraga, no, being Sulim where hope is with the sea, there's hope in the sea. And it's just, there's always hope. Yeah, I can get to both sides of it. Like, you know, uh, when I get out to the sea, I can relate to this. There's a there's a hope to the sea. There's like a, uh, well, in Jungian psychology, it's like the great unconscious, the sea, mm. is that great unknown. Yeah. So symbolically. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. And, but I can also imagine um, when fishing uh, communities or it was at least something that they partly relied on for sustenance. And I can only imagine oh, yeah. how oh, tough yeah. that life was, uh, mm. how dangerous that life was, and how could you find hope out at sea? Except for also, the sea nourished them too. That was that was what fed yeah. them, and, and you know that was the the you know the what um, uh, enabled them to to keep their living, to earn their living as well. Yeah, it reminds me as well. Um, there's a, a book I really enjoyed a few years ago. It's called The Sea, and it's by Irish author John Banville. It's in the English language. Mm. Uh, but the sea features as, I guess, um, a character um, mm. in it. Um, so there's, uh, of course, many novels and works where we can think of the sea acting like the character. So it's just, I find it uh, very interesting that there's this um, play between the hope of the sea and maybe the hopelessness in yeah. context as well of looking it's out at sea and that little reality that life is very hard as well but we have hope um i think that's the one that we can all take and it's worth remembering too if you're watching this from north america for example the scale of the country is so different uh ireland is a small island we're all next to the sea really I'm living here in Dublin, and the last two weekends, I crossed over to the sea on the other side of the country just for little family and friend events. So I was in Mayo one weekend, I was in Galway the other weekend, by the sea. I was swimming in the sea a few days ago. Um, but it was so easy to come back over here to Dublin on the opposite side of the country, because it's only a couple of hours away. So we are surrounded by the sea. It's very present in our life, the likes of John Banville, but uh, every other artist and writer from this country too. The sea is present. I think, um, um, yeah, there's there's lots of great um, writers from the Gaeltachti, you know, by the sea, all of that. Um, Marcino Giran, Liam O'Flaherta, Marcino Klein, that's just from Connemara, but there's great writers from Donegal and Kerry too, who've, who've all dealt with this topic in Irish and a lot of writers in English, of course, too. So the sea, ever-present in Irish culture, I would say. Hmm. Something else that comes to mind, just because I was out there lately, at Spanish Point, Rinnespoinach, in County Clare, there's a, a lovely beach there um, with historical significance. Um, but uh, there's um, 
during the, the summer at least, there's a 9am swim where you show up and a few minutes later, uh, everybody goes down into the sea and they even have a song they sing out when they're in the sea. And it's um, it was started by someone who needed like hope and uh, mm. she established this routine of going to the sea. And then I think she brought her friends along and made it something a bit more official. So now, especially on a Sunday morning, but uh, I think it even happens every day uh, on a nice summer's day out there too. So it's this community feeling of people going literally out into the sea um, mm. and having this sense of community around them. Isn't that symbolically uh, yeah. a very strong uh, thing to do? Yeah. Um, and what, one other thing just occurs to me on this topic. I know we're talking about this one a lot, but... Uh, I mentioned some of those writers and Martino Klein um, has a lot of short stories about life and very realistic um, depictions of life in the Gaeltacht in Connemara in the 1920s, 30s, that kind of time. And I love to read them because it reminds me of, of my family in that um, area in that period. But um, I remember one, I always remember one line which said that uh, people in those areas had far more knowledge and connection, knowledge of and connection to New York and Boston than they did Dublin or Belfast, mm. because they were going on immigration, they were um, traveling, that's where they were going to find a better life. So maybe there's hope in the sea that way, because if you're immigrating, traveling, looking for a better life, I know a lot of our viewers um, might have Irish connections, you know, the very people who did that. So, um, yeah, so many connections to the sea and Irish culture because we are a small island. Yeah, um, it, you're reminding me of an English language um, a film uh, called Brooklyn. And it oh, has yeah. Yeah, Saoirse Ronan uh, in it. Uh, I see it's from 2015. Um, this... Um, it's it's a, it's based on a story, is it? Um, yeah, it's Colin Tobin was the writer. Colin yeah. Tobin, mm -hmm. and it it tells a story of there's a couple of passings back and forth over mm. the sea, and mm. it's really the journey over the sea is what is like a chapter of the story, and it mm. separates people, but it's bringing them together too. So I really enjoy that film and I'd highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, lovely, Neil. So um, we had a lot to say on that. Uh, very interesting, Shannock. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's go on to the next Shannock. Kartalor. Here we have Isnyawid Kerd Gan Chlachta. Isnyawid Kerd Gan Chlachta. So Kerd is a, a craft, maybe a trade, but a craft. Um, and Klachta was practice. So a craft without practice is an enemy. Nyawud. A, a craft without practice is an enemy. What could that possibly mean, Owen? What do you think? Yeah, well, it's strong words, isn't it? Mm, an <laughs> isn't enemy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I can only offer my... A personal interpretation of this so 
there might be a broader sense to it. Um, for me in my life, I see that um, things can niggle at you if you know you have potential to work at something, mm. um, but if you don't practice it, um, things will eat, it'll eat away at you because you know mm. you kind of, you feel like you should, and I know should isn't a reason for doing something. It's It's probably a bad reason to motivate yourself that you should do something. But it's like definitely the sense of um, potential of a craft. Like, so I'm just um, kind of theorizing here. If somebody has a craft, they have some kind of skill or mm -hmm. background to it, or there's some context there um, with a craft. So it's like um, if you're not practicing your craft, um, you're you're basically abandoning that craft, but it's part of you. <laughs> so mm. you're abandoning part of yourself, and uh, that abandonment is it becomes an enemy because uh, well, you're not feeding yourself the positive energy you could. Now maybe I'm getting uh, way too philosophical about this. I don't um, think so. I think that's great. Um, yeah, I think we. We all know the feeling of we've all got uh, responsibilities and duties and, and things like that. People need to go to work and there's other things in life you just have to do. But we've all got the feeling possibly that there are interests or passions or things that we don't get enough time for that we would like to. So if it's sometimes for people, it, it is things like a language or music or other skills. It could just be cooking. but if it's something that makes your heart sing and you don't get to do it enough, I think you're, it's, you're not going to feel great in the end. So, um, yeah, another possible interpretation could be that uh, maybe like an, un, an unperfected skill, an un, uh, like uh, maybe if your skills are getting rusty, then you'll end up doing more, more harm than good. With, with whatever this craft is, you know? So um, I could read it that way too, but whichever way, and maybe there's other readings, I think it's very clear that it's talking about the importance of practice, crafting. And uh, it's saying that if you're not practicing, you know, that's an enemy, you know, that's a big problem. So yeah. um, it could be just, um, you know, getting getting involved, getting active, or or practicing, refining, honing your skills. Um, it's always good to practice, especially a craft care, something that's um, beautiful and worthwhile in itself. Mm. It's very the Irish language. Yeah. For yourself, what what comes up for you here? Oh, so many things. Uh, music. Absolutely, languages, writing, all the things I love, everything with words and music. I do a lot of them, but I, it never feels like enough. And I always think like, oh, I'm, I used to take piano lessons. I was okay, but that's, that's getting very rusty now, those skills. And I'm not quite as strong at anything as I'd like to be, but um, at least I'm motivated. I want to keep trying anyway. And uh, mm. personally, I, I do feel I kind of slump if I'm not doing some of those things that are uh, my passions, literature, language, um, music, 
for me especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, it's, it's at this stage, it's probably art or painting mm. where I say it's important. Um, but I can look back and it's been a couple of weeks uh, since I did anything about it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and this so this brings me back to Bite Size Irish too. Um, there's a book called Mastery uh, by Robert Green, and he goes into a historical perspective of how people uh, learned a craft, mastered a craft, and he lays out steps. Um, a big part of it is. Uh, where you're an apprentice so you're you've got the beginner's mindset and you just let yourself learn from people who are better than you who who have gone through it and there's this like deep study phase where the more you put your energy in at this early stage the more payoff you'll have later on and he talks about practice and Robert Greene, he does cover languages a little in that book. And he does talk about daily or, you know, practice like that, something every day. So that was definitely something that influenced my thinking. And um, today, our motto at Bite Size Irish is Irish every day. And it's this thing, you know, about a craft, it's like, well, Gwelgagakla is more than a craft even because it's um, looking past your current abilities and it's saying whatever your abilities are currently uh, in expressing yourself in the Irish language in any way, that you can make it part of your everyday life. And it's the people that we see most successful at Irish language learning are those people who kind of embrace um, this practice. It's their, it's part of their identity. Um, mm. So it's like, rather than abandoning that part of you, that curiosity, that intrinsic curiosity, is that you're embracing and you, it, it's becoming part of who you are. So that practice, that daily practice, uh, is the, uh, the solution this shanokal, this nawid cared kanchlachta. So rather than abandoning that, uh, you embrace it, and your identity uh, can uh, connect with that. So yeah, is, is there more coming to you, Neil, about this shanokal? Um, not really, but I think it's it's uh, it's so applicable, isn't it, to to all of us here at Bite Size Irish, and I'm sure all of the viewers, if you. If you're really interested in some uh, topic of study or some skill or practice, then you've got to do it. You've got to do it. And it's going to make you feel better. You're going to get better. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's that simple. Just do a bit, you know, as we said before, a good start is all you need. And just doing it. I think everyone knows that feeling. You feel better when you do it. Yeah, and yeah, I, I've thought about this lately. There are priorities still. So we could be telling someone, you know, and I understand if it's hard to make room for that in your life. And I can see in my own life, there's like different crafts or 
hobbies or whatever that I'd like to get better at over time. And I can invest in some more than others. So um, this past summer, I've embraced tennis. I've had good fun with it and I'm going to group lessons and I'm going to doubles uh, games and I'm throwing myself in there. And at the same time, I'd like to be much better playing guitar and having a bit of tuition might help me a lot, but um, I just do it for the fun of it, the guitar. Like it's something that really I'm in the flow and I'm a beginner at it and it's simple as that. So I, in my life in practicality i can um give different kind of energies to these different crafts um but the guitar still gets in there often i won't say daily but often you know yeah really interesting it's a this is about like um potential and following your deep curiosity and for those watching and listening um it's about i think in our context embracing the irish language and um it might feel difficult other days it might not feel difficult um but try to have fun along the way yeah and embrace it lovely neil really enjoyed that so let's go on uh to the next shannockle the next one is quite a famous one a very familiar one i think mole and oiga august chakishi Mol and Oige August Chakishi. Have you heard this one before, Owen? Yeah, this is definitely one of the Shanukle here that I'm most familiar with. Yeah. What do you think mm. about it? Well, I think it's quite it's quite simple, but it's lovely, you know. Mol and Oige praise the youth, August Chakishi. Um literally she will come, but we've got she because the word Oige is a feminine noun. So a little bit of grammar there for you. Um but she will come. The idea is um, praise the youth and the youth will flourish. You know, mm. they will they will blossom. So um, I think we all know it. Kids need praise. They need love. Young people need encouragement and inspiration. Sometimes people who are not so young anymore also need praise and encouragement. Mm. <laughs> we all feel that too, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just good, you know, People always say these days, be kind. And I think, you know, that's a very simple, obvious, but true uh, statement as well. Molanoiga, praise the youth and uh, they, they will they will flourish, if you like. Yeah, so nice applicable one. I would even go on a tangent and turn this back inside. And um, what's that youthful part of us that wants to paint or play music or mm -hmm. communicate? and um the yeah, child which yeah that little child yeah. and um yeah. praise that part of yourself you know so that's a uh, i'm just building on top of the that traditional phrase yeah there's a lot of truth to it we're all adults and we, we have to do tax returns and things like that from time to time but uh, uh we have to consider the, the state of the world but don't we love those moments when you're uh swimming in the sea as i was the other day and you you feel like you're seven years old again yeah absolutely and that's not a bad thing at all yeah so neil let's go on to the next one and again it's about kind of a, a signpost in what direction to take in life isn't it possibly yeah neil bua gandua neil bua gandua 
So there is no victory, bua, without dua, without hardship, without hard work or labor, I suppose. Um, so milbua can do it. It's got a little rhyme again. It's very snappy and it's, I suppose, very similar to an English language one. No pain, no gain. Yeah. So this, this is a good call out because we have how to say no pain, no gain on our YouTube channel. So you can uh, click this if you're watching on YouTube or search Bites as Irish, no pain, no gain. And uh, you'll see Ben uh, discuss a couple of forms of uh, this concept in the Shannachal. Um, yeah, it, for me, Neil, it's a, a reminder, I guess, that, you know, hard work is sometimes it's needed. Um, yeah, mm. I'll say, well, we can't always be working hard, but at the same time, um, some things just need a bit of work. Um, yeah, a bit of elbow grease, as they say, sometimes uh, it could be down the gym, but it could be with your grammar book. Sometimes you feel, wait a minute, I just need to check this. I feel like I always make a mistake when I'm trying to say this. Maybe I need to go and check the grammar or maybe I need to work on some sounds. And and sometimes a bit of that dua could be a little bit of a uh, repetitious kind of drilling practice, you know, saying something over and over again. A little bit of work sometimes will help. We all love the open conversations when practicing a language, you know, having having the chats with people, uh, pop-up gaeltacht, just um, expressing yourself and having fun. But we do need a little bit of work at times, a little bit of study as well. Mm. Yeah, lovely. Neil Bua Gandua, nice rhyming there and mm -hmm. good wisdom. Um, so let's go on to the next one. Neil talking about wisdom. Yeah, and it's also very applicable to, to language learning, but other areas of life. Here we go. It is Neil C. Gunlacht. Neil C. Gunlacht. Um, you can see the same format as the previous one, Neil X Gun Y, you know, so. You can see the grammar at work there, the same structures. There is no something without something. In this case, C means um, uh, an expert, um, a wise person, a sage, um, someone very learned. But Lacht is, uh, is fault or blame. So there's no expert uh, who doesn't make a mistake. Basically. There's no, um, everyone makes a mistake. There's no expert who's without blame. Yeah. Um, there's, uh, well, good wisdom there for me. Yeah. Um, it's a reminder that, you know, whoever we're listening to or we come across in life, um, well, they're not without fault. Um, there's a kind of self-kindness. What's that, Neil? Well, nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. Mm. Um, that kind of we can turn that on our on ourselves in a kind way and go well. Nobody's perfect, um, so even the most wise will make mistakes. That's what I would uh, personally interpret. Of course, that. yeah. And for language learners, you know, we're all frustrated by mistakes we make, or sometimes we feel nervous about speaking because other people might notice the mistakes you make or something like that but there is nobody who doesn't make mistakes and that includes 
teachers and native speakers and, and so on, you know, sometimes things just come out funny. Um, it happens to, to us in, in English, let's say as well, if that's your first language. It, it'll just happen. So don't let fear of a little error hold you back from doing that practice that we talked about that was so important. Mm. And, um, you know, sometimes people get it wrong. Nobody's perfect. Nice. And so, Neil, what's the next nugget of wisdom we have? The next one coming up is Chayin Fukal Lukui. Chayin Fukal Lukui. So, Fukal, that's the plural of the word Fukal. That means words. So, words go with wind. Kui. Words go with the wind. Words are like the wind. Um, so, how would you interpret this one, Owen? Yeah, um, it's a good reminder, I think. Um, people mm -hmm. can say a lot of things. Um, mm -hmm. But I think this reminds me absolutely of uh, actions over words. So um, mm. pay attention to the actions over words. People can say a lot. Uh, they can be quite convincing. And you, you, can, you can yourself or others can promise to you a lot of things uh but those promises well um are they followed through with action uh so a really good reminder there and insight i think and this also reminded me of you know there's modern business advice that says well if you're if you've got a meeting write write it down and circulate it because otherwise um i can oh, yeah. promise all i want and I'll say yes, but um, if I'm not held to my own word written, it might not get done. Which so is very a strange. verbal agreement, just a spoken agreement is, I remember an old joke, a verbal agreement isn't worth the paper it's written on. Um, but basically, it's not worth anything. And uh, yeah, gui is the word here, wind is used. But in English, I think we might we'll probably say it's just air or hot air or something like ah, yeah. that. And people speak, but it's not concrete. It's not a real thing. People can say any old thing to you. Um, for some reason, I'm thinking of the old, old Shirelles song, um, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? So the, this, this guy can say all kind of nice things to the girl about how he loves her, but, um, um, uh, you know, is it just words? Or does he really love her? That's, that's her question in that song. Um, so I think... We all know about empty promises and uh, things like that. So sometimes words are just words. What is important is the actions and what people do. I would agree. Um, only yesterday at the library, I saw a book. I've no idea what it's about, but it was uh, the title was when uh, breath becomes air. So it's this kind of connection of we're breathing, we're talking and the connection oh. with it turns mm. into the wind around us. So mm. a very insightful uh, metaphor here, Tain Fuckal Legui. They float away and you know they're they can be gone. So it's a yeah, absolutely a good reminder here. Um yeah, um well to hold myself to to writing stuff down as a practical one. But uh, more on the life lessons, I think, yeah, people can say a lot of things. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, but sometimes it's good if you've got a big new project that you're working on. Yeah. It, sometimes it can be good to tell other people because then they've got that expectation. So you have to follow through then. <laughs> oh, that's so in that case, sometimes that you know that that speech can kind of bind you to do it, possibly. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Yeah, so ten fucking Thanks, Neil. And let's go on to the next one. The next one. Ismahan Skahan Sul Kharad. Ismahan Skahan Sul Kharad. So we'll start at the end because sometimes that's the way it works in Irish. Sul Kharad. We mentioned Sul before, it means I. Sul Kharad is a friend's I. Okay, if you're not familiar with this form, you can see Kara in there, uh, meaning friend, but this is Tishil Ginejach again. It's a eye of a friend, a friend's eye. Sul Kharad, a friend's eye, is my anskahan e. It's a good mirror. A friend's eye is a good mirror. Um, we all know about the people we, we love and trust, people you could tell anything. And um, whatever you're going through, if it's problems or doubts or worries or stresses or um, um, other even even more positive things. Um, it could be that when you tell your your best friend like that, you see the reaction in their eyes, and uh, you get a good, honest appraisal of, of what's going on. Um, maybe they'll see the truth a bit more clearly than you. If you're going through the roller coaster of emotions, I suppose. Um, so you know. I think we know that our friend is is always a good person to talk to about things and they will reflect back on us uh, in a helpful way, I think. What do you make of this one yourself, Paul? Yeah, um, it, absolutely. It's a good reminder. Um, connect with your friends, lean on your friends. So there's good wisdom in this, it seems. And it's nice to see also just a repetition of different words. Like you mentioned Sewell. We um were we were speaking about it earlier. Mm. So I and Ma uh that shows up so much uh in the Irish language. So it's just a, a interesting uh word to always be mindful of. Absolutely. And the word Sul, of course, I we have used it in uh, a little corner of one online lesson in the Shulach Shkelach course, um, focusing on keywords in Irish. And Sul, um, it means I, of course, but it's probably more common to use the word Sul in Irish than it is to use the word I in English. That's a basic fundamental part of the body, very important one. But there are a lot of expressions with Sul in Irish. Sometimes we're simply talking about our eyes, of course, um, but we also use the word Sul when we're talking about any kind of hope, expectation, anticipation, things like that, when you're looking forward to something or hoping for something. So the word Sul is very important in Irish. And the other reason we mentioned it is because it's easy to mix up with a different word that's also very important, Shul. Um, which is the which is an, an anagram of this word, but different sound shul, and of course shul is walking, and again it's got other applications and uses as well. So I think we had a a little free cheat sheet on this topic as well about these two words shul and shul, both 
very, very useful basic words, but with a lot of other uses and meanings. Yeah. Um, if you want to search at least cheat sheets for bite-sized Irish, um, we have some lovely uh, PDF cheat sheets that Neil has created. And that was, yeah, one of the first one we published. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, um, I, I have to make the shout out people on our email newsletter, um, get a reminder of every free resource, um, video, um, or otherwise that we publish. Um, so you can come to bitesize.irish slash newsletter and uh, sign up for our free newsletter. It's uh, every week. And on that note, let's go on to the next one. There's more nuggets of wisdom here. We've got a few more. So, ni marahilter aviter. Ni marahilter aviter. Immediately, folks, even if you don't get the full meaning, you can hear that rhyme again. And in fact, this first verb was chosen for that because a lot of my friends living in Dublin and I guess down in, in Limerick too, Owen, wouldn't use the verb shield, but maybe cap to talk about your opinion. I think shilam goil, capam goil. So shield just means cap, means to think, or it's a good to um, indicate your opinion on something. So nimarahilter, it's not how is thought, richer, um, sort of how things are. It's a bit tricky to translate that. So the, the way people think things are is not necessarily how things are. It's not necessarily what it seems. All is not what it seems. Yeah. Maybe we've got expectations about life, but that's not necessarily how it is. And maybe we could be making judgments about people or things which are happening, but we don't know the full story. Um, so, ni marahilter aviter. Yeah, it's a nice kind of eye-opening um, proverb mm. for me. Yeah, it's like a reminder of, oh, you might think it's one way, but it's not necessarily that way. Yeah, so, it's always a bit more complex. Mm, mm. All is not what it seems, as you said, yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, very interesting rhyme and repetition here. Yeah, the, the grammatical form of the verbs here um is it what third person um it's an unsavory here it's the what we call the autonomous form and normally this form translates into english as the passive like a hilter could be how marahilter is how it is thought how is thought but it's tricky to translate aviter because we don't use the passive on the verb be. We don't say it has been, it is, it doesn't really work. Um, so in Irish, the seer means the autonomous verb. It means there's no subject. We don't say somebody does it. But we interpret that as, you know, just somebody does it or maybe people do it, you know. So ni marahilter aviter. Um, if I'm translating, I said something like things are not what they seem or how it is thought is not how it often is. So um, a bit of a clumsy translation, but I think the sense is clear. But that's using that T-E-R-R ending is unsavory, the autonomous verb, in the present tense. So any kind of present tense passive will have that ter 
um, um, ending. Yeah, nice. Yeah, and it's a well the translation. It's like what I I think I would have seen in French the reflexive um, se se, um, which I've seen in Slovenian as well, Slavic language. Hmm. Um, so there's definitely language languages have dealt with this in different ways. Um, so that's interesting, yeah. And we can only really give the essence of the the translation, or and it, it's an awkward translation because they've chosen these forms. Like a viter is not very common, to be honest. We don't use no, that. It's not, yeah. not at all. But just in this phrase, really, in this shanokal. Um, but they've chosen it for the beauty of the rhyme. It just sounds so nice on its own. So it's it's like poetry in that sense, that they're choosing words for the for the beauty of the sound as well as the meaning. Mm. So on this uh, vein, maybe, of seeing things uh, as they are and things um, happening and uh, showing mm. themselves. So um, our next uh, chosen proverb here, Neil. Is my unscaly an amshir? Is my unscaly an amshir? So we've had a few now with isma. We're saying it is good. Something is good, of course. Um, and scaly, well, a lot of people would know the simple word scale, which is a story. Scaly is the person who tells the story, so uh, a storyteller. And an amshir would be familiar to most people uh, as, as meaning weather, but it also means time. Not just weather, but time. Um, I think, I feel like you definitely know more French than me, Owen, but um, am, am I right that Le temps, that means the times in French, could also be the weather. Is yeah, that... and we yeah. can see it linked back to English like a tempest, a storm. So oh, well. there's this connection, yeah? Yeah, uh, yeah temporal meaning relating to time. Mm -hmm. So it must be across a lot of European languages then. And I was thinking, just thinking that my, my dad, who is born and raised in County Tyrone in the countryside, and he has a lot of great old-fashioned phrases. Um, in English, this is. Um, he would say to people, um, if, if it's been a long time since he's met them, he would say, I haven't seen you this weather. I haven't seen you this weather. So he actually uses the word weather to refer to time. Now, it's not just him, of course. It's, it's quite common across parts of the country. So this idea of weather and time being related uh, it's not so crazy as it first might seem. I think it happens in different languages. And uh, the word amshir is also what we use to talk about grammar as well. An amshir chatche is the past tense, an amshir leichrach, the present tense. So amshir means weather, it means tense, it means time. And uh, of course, we have a few different words for time. This is one of them. Anyway, coming back to our shanako, it's mahanshkeli and amshir, time is a good storyteller. So very similar, I think, to a famous English uh, proverb, um, time will tell. Yeah. Nice yeah. and short in English, to be fair. Time will tell. Um, it's Mahanshkeli and I'm sure, you know, I think we're going to know the full story in, in the fullness of time.
Yeah, really nice. Yeah, it's um, interesting mm -hmm. to look into this phrase, the specific words. I'm sure um, it also reminds me of kahav I'm sure or past times um, mm -hmm. specifically. Um, mm -hmm. We have a course, uh, well, um, lessons within Tusma, um, our foundational course for bite-sized Irish uh, members, depending on the plan, I have to say. Um, but it's about um, talking about your own pastimes. So you're uh, starting to talk about yourself and what you like to do. Um, so that weaves it back to um, Irish language learning. But yeah, for this phrase, it's not unscaly and I'm sure. Um, great. Well, I was I was just thinking, comparing it in my head to time will tell. Time will tell is snappy. Time will tell. It's got T and L, nice letters in it, nice sounds together. But Irish has this lovely image. It's Mahin Shkeli and I'm sure. Because at Shkeli, of course, we always picture the uh, the old man by the fireside telling stories on a on a on a dark night when it's howling when the wind is howling outside. So um it's a beautiful image to compare time to to someone who had that role in more traditional societies. Yeah, very interesting. And it's this idea that, that this, well, um, well, the picture, um, the vision, the visuals of this is that for me, the time will tell you the details. It will tell the story. So it's not just we'll pick up little bits and pieces, but if we are patient and let this uh, play out, it'll tell us the full story. But really interesting. I love diving into the subtleties mm. of phrases like that, and mm. uh, it gives us new insights. And just more generally, I love that um, with the Irish language, but more generally with um, using a different language to see the same context in a little yeah. different light. How they it? express it slightly differently, yeah. Um, and because again, like like I just said, Anshkeli, uh, like Faraga that we had talked about the sea a while ago, Anshkeli feels like a very Irish image, a very Irish trope, if you like, the storyteller, you know, it's um, maybe not something that we've necessarily seen ourselves, but it's in the culture, you know, so mm. that's how we express that. Yeah. Okay, let's jump on to the next one. Cadén Chéad Cianella, Neil. And Chéad Cianella, another one that's very famous, I think. I've seen it on, on the sides of um, uh, community centres and sports clubs and even in adverts from very famous drinks from Dublin. Um, actually, just across the river from me here. Nínyárt go cúrlechéile. Nínyárt go cúrlechéile. So... Um, Nyart is strength. Kurlichela is, uh, um, you know, putting together, getting together, being together in some way. So this is usually translated as strength in unity or we are stronger together, something like that. Definitely about being together and it's definitely about being strong. The structure, Nyart go, like there's, there is no strength until we get together, if you like. Um, so that's a nice structure. So like I said, I've seen it on community centers, sports clubs, where 
it's got an obvious application. The community, the people coming together are stronger. Um, uh, what, what do you think of this one yourself, Owen? Could this one be applicable to, to language learners too? Absolutely. Yeah. On the form, I'd like to point out that it's this Ninyartka, it's not something you would use in everyday speech outside of using the proverb, I would say, or certain phrases. So it's not um, a formulation uh, that you would use just day to day in your everyday life. Oh no, it feels like a, a proverb or something. It sounds yeah. stylized maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. And absolutely. We see that with Bite Size Irish with the community. Our community is called Bite Size Pub, a learner's community. And it's, uh, yeah, this finding these uncommon commonalities between us, as we say, um, we're much better to be together and put our efforts together. Um, you can really sense the community there, the, the old traditional Irish community where probably they were closer to survival um, than maybe modern life uh, currently demands of us. Um, but this, yeah, let's come together and there's strength in the community uh, by working together. I love it, there's real wisdom there. Yeah, um, I think wherever we are in the world, we, we feel that, you know, that was the older style of life, wasn't it? Mm. These were less atomized, you know, living separately apart in your own little apartment, in your own little booth. Yeah, um, it was that community spirit. People had to work together. And I think it's it's really helpful for learners of Irish for, for practice and study. It's great to do it with other people and uh, and just for using the language, of course. But, you know, all other kind of uh, issues in the world, um, you know, getting people together and we are stronger together. I think it's just a universal truth for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Yeah. So, Neil, let's go on to uh, this is our last one before we get to our own favorite proverbs. So what's mm. our next channel? So, is far lube. Nabrisha is far lube nabrisha. So is far. We had isma a lot of times. It's good, but far is the comparative of good. Far means better. Is far. It is better lube to bend nabrisha than to break. It's better to bend than to break. Is uh, far lube nabrisha. I think uh, you were saying, Owen, that you had this experience in your garden recently. Can you tell us about yeah. that? Yeah, I, it, this is interesting. Yeah. Um, so um, a couple of winters ago, I bought uh, 30 uh, willow sticks. So they're mm. single branches, but they grow into their own trees, their own bushes. And my plan was to grow this uh, dome, this willow a living dome in my back garden. Um, yeah, somewhere to sit where in at the height of summer that there'd be nice shade in the garden. And it was a real project. There's actually um, very interesting aspects to working on this uh, willow uh, structure. Um, but for this shanukal about luba and brisha, so for willow, um, 
as I've learned as well and I as I read, in summer, the branches are growing a lot, but they're um they they're not very good to be bent. So if I try to change their their shape, they snap. Uh, so they're brittle in that way. Mm. Um, so you have to wait till winter time when uh, the tree is more dormant. And then the willow, especially uh, these long branches, they're uh, very supple and they're fantastic for weaving together. And of course, willow traditionally has been used for weaving like baskets, for example. So very useful uh, thing uh, oh, used yeah. for weaving fences too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so a very useful um, native uh, tree, uh, including mm -hmm. to Ireland. So uh, kind of getting a bit more metaphorical about it then too. It's interesting because it's better to like bend something rather than to break it. And to break it for me, it kind of indicates like a forcing. So like you're mm. you're forcing a situation, you break it, it snaps, and but it's it's broken then. Like when I um snap a willow branch, when I'm just trying to shape it a little bit in summer, I and it snaps, I go, ah damn, uh, that branch is so lovely and I've lost it, it's gone. I have to snip it away. Um so to me, my interpretation here is like Sometimes it's better to try to help a situation rather than try to just simply force it. Um, so I wonder, Neil, what do you get from this, Shannuckle? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I think um, uh, it's far it's, it's, it's better to be flexible than to break. You know, we, we all need to adapt. We all need to compromise in life. We all need to be flexible and um, I'm just going to share with you the word for flexible here, solupa. Solupa is flexible. So it's from the same root, lub, of course. So that um, can relate to how you are with your dealings with people, your, your work conditions, maybe your hours are flexible and so on. Um, it's important to be flexible. If you're not flexible, you're going to break. And that's not good one way or another. Um, yeah, I also wanted to share just because uh, we, we were talking about willows so much and they're beautiful native trees in this country. Salah is the word for willow, Salah. Um, our colleague Ben has done a video on some of the native Irish trees. So have a look for that on YouTube. And um, I love the word Salah because it, it comes into English quite easily. It's in a lot of place names. And uh, it's also in a very famous poem by William Butler Yeats. Um, which has been set to music, done by the Sally Gardens, done by the Sally Gardens. So if you've ever heard or saw that poem, Sally Gardens, and thought, what's Sally? Sally's willow, Sally. Oh. So, um, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, some of those trees, again, are, are very, you know, they feel close to the Irish heart, I would say. Um, and, and willow is one of them, for sure. Um, so, but bringing us back is far lube na brisha, better to be flexible than to break, better to bend than break. I think we can all understand that. Mm. Um, so Owen, we, we've come to nearly the end 
and we have two more and we the plan is we're going to now talk about our favorites so um i'm just going to introduce yours and uh, can you tell us about this one so here it is Kirian Bert Boher what's this one all about yeah Kirian Bert Boher so um we can translate this into two people uh shorten a road literally Boher mm -hmm. a road so yeah there's a few aspects to this I'm I've been reminded of this phrase because on the side of a pub uh, so again maybe a, a, a Dublin drink is involved there Neil um, when we were on the way out to uh, Quilty in County Clare by the coast at the end of this summer I passed it a couple of times um, and there's an image of you know two people walking and it's a reminder that um, you're better off on your journey with others, essentially, mm. Uh, mm. don't go it alone. Um, now, so there's different maybe interpretations of the subtleties here, isn't there? Like, um, you know, it might be easier with the help of a friend or uh, things are made easier if you're doing it together. Um, that's what I get from it. Gurian, um, so there's a bit of, there's some, interesting forms here gurian um it's like shortens uh gyar mm. is short and gurian is um the the verb a verb form of that yeah. and then bert is interesting too gurian bert boher it's we've got specific words for counting people in irish so you don't say two people you say Bert and it's so the the idea of two people has its own word in Irish as mm. those like three people four people and so on and then I'll keep going because Boher um a road um well my understanding of this it's based on the word bow like a cow bovine and why is that well it's like the path of that was used to bring the cows around the place like it had nothing to do with the idea of a road that might come to mind in english so boher is this real uh insight into the old ways of things that we use for road now so gurian bert boher really uh it's a positive proverb for me it's mm. a good reminder um uh, don't go uh, don't go it alone so neil would you pick up the same sense of it or is there another subject? oh yeah uh, i love this one and uh, full disclaimer I, I would have chosen this one as my favorite but owen got in there first gary and birch Boer. it reminds me of being uh, a little boy and uh, going walking with my brother who's 10 years older than me and uh, we went walking a distance which i thought at that age was a very long distance but the time passed just like that, because we were chatting away and it was it was fun, a nice sunny day and all of that. And I just felt then it was so true that that trip was not boring or slow or painful to be walking for so long. It was great because there was two of us in it. So two people shortened the road. It's always nice to have company on a trip. And also, I have to think I'm a bit of an old romantic, really. On the road of life, you know, it's nice to have a partner, you know. 
things are a bit easier. It's easier to carry all of those burdens if you're sharing uh, your, your trip with somebody else. So you could interpret it that way, I think, too. It could be romantic if you've got um, uh, a partner of some kind. Um, but it could be platonic, too, really, or familial bonds as well. But two people shorten the road. Yeah, it's good to... It's even like a, a problem halved is a problem... Sorry, Gomeleshko. A problem shared is a problem halved mm. in English, which doesn't have the lovely image of the road, but it's saying that if you share uh, something difficult with somebody, it's easier. And that's what this is saying as well. But I do like the, the image of the road, all the reasons that Owen just mentioned. And again, Berch Boher. There's alliteration there with those, yeah. those Bs, you know, so it just sounds good, I think. Girian Berch Boher. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, lovely. And I, I'm seeing a connection with it's about well, Ashtir is our our learning platform for self-paced learning, and Ashtir means journey, and it's mm -hmm. about this you know Irish language journey, um, where we're all on a certain journey, and it's um, coming together and walking together on the journey. Um, so that's interesting, and. Um, how about you, Neil? What's your favorite? If this wasn't your favorite, what would your favorite be? Um, well, here it is. Bian Shulach Shkelach. Bian Shulach Shkelach. And perhaps some eagle eyed viewers will notice that we've already used this phrase for another of our courses in Ashter. Uh, like I said, right at the beginning, Tusma Latin Hebrew, we use Tusma for our beginners course, because that means uh, a good beginning. Shulach Shkelach is the name we chose for our more intermediate level course. Um, so that's still in progress. I think there are four modules um, available there um, so far. But what, what does this mean, being Shulach Shkelach? Well, there's a couple of familiar words that we've already talked about today. Shul is walking. We talked about that. And shkel is story. However, shulach and shkelach are not really words we use. They're not words that come up in normal uh, conversation in Irish. But of course, they've been put together. They're not breaking any grammar rules, but they've been put in this way because of the sound shulach, shkelach. There's a similar sounds, assonance going on there with similar letters, similar consonants in those words. So very poetic again. So I definitely lean towards that. Being Shulak Shkela. What is the idea? Shul is walking, but it also means traveling. Shkela is story. So being Shulak Shkela. So the person who is Shulak, the person who has done a lot of traveling is Shkela. Uh, they have a lot of stories. You could say story e in English, but that wouldn't be very good. So a person who travels a lot has a lot of stories to tell. And uh, I wanted to use it for that course in Ashter because um, we're encouraging people to tell their stories and express themselves and to travel a bit further on this Ashter, on this journey to learning Irish. So it felt like a really good title for that. Uh, course, but in normal life, being shulach, you know, 
it could be <laughs> it could be the per people who come home from the holidays and insist on showing you photographs of people they met in a hostel somewhere and you know it's a little bit too much but just generally speaking we know the feeling of people who have traveled explored um tried out new things and um you know it could be you know with the internet online or by studying it doesn't necessarily mean the furthest distance but the more you explore one way or another the more stories you have to tell the more that you learn about life and the world and different cultures and everything like that so yeah um, I might have chosen Gary and Bert Bohr, but this is really also one of my favorites too. The mm -hmm. so the person who travels a lot, has a lot of stories to tell. And it just reminds me of the richness of life and the experiences that we can have here. How do you feel about this, Shanukal, yourself, Owen? Yeah, just to build on what you've said, like my first uh, impression of this that came to mind was well, it's a reminder that um, people who have traveled uh, in life have a lot to say or we have a lot to learn from them. Um, so mm. that's a reminder. But I like your side on it, too, where it's a reminder to ourselves um, to take that trip metaphorical, you know, um, gather experiences in life. Um, so there's that positive side to it too but again and, yeah. i think maybe you're suggesting that if it's life's trip life's journey it could just mean you know older people who have more experience have a lot to tell us you know or uh, the older generations uh you know in that sense of a journey uh they've 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 seen so much and learned so much and they have stories to tell too yeah and to reiterate what you were saying about our self-paced course at Bite Size Irish, it's really about self-expression. It's about telling your own story and being able to express your story. And But at the same time, Neil, as you've been developing that course, you've woven like stories and myths into it. So it's like the traditional stories that we have and then weaving that into telling your own story. So being your own storyteller uh, in the Irish language, like that's really, if anybody can achieve that far, they're doing really well with learning the Irish language. So being shuluch skeluch. Yeah, that was really I nice. With that course, with that title, you know, we chose it for those reasons we mentioned, you know, to express yourself and to go further on your journey. But it gave us a lot of opportunities to to deal with interesting topics that relate to both travel and stories of different kinds. So we have yet yeah, we touch on the old mythology, folk tales. We touch on just chatting, t telling um, stories about anecdotes, things that happen to you, because that's really a common part of everyday speech. Um, also, we've got the topics like um, traveling for holiday and and other kinds of traveling. So, and there is definitely more to come in that course as well. Yeah. So um, before we wrap up uh, around the Proverbs, while we're on this line of our self-paced courses and learning the Irish language together, uh, like we have to tell you about what we have at Bite Size Irish. 
essentially it's the pillar of self-paced learning through these different courses, starting with mini courses to get a taster of Irish. And then going a bit further, bringing you, uh, if you have the time and you can stick to it, even to telling your own story with it. And woven into all this is Bite Size Pubble, our community side um, of learning Irish together and practicing together and even live sessions uh, for GROW members. So yeah, you're showing on screen for YouTube watchers, Neil, our bitesize.irish slash links. And on that page, I'll recommend specifically going to Aster Taster. It's a free way to get a taster of what we have at Bite Size Irish. You'll see some lessons and some insights into what we have and see if it might be something that would, um, you know, chime with you if you're watching or listening to this, but no pressure. And um, so that's enough about Bite Size Irish right now. Uh, so Neil, to go back to our conversation, really, like what's your big takeaway after we've taken a nice bit of time talking through these Irish proverbs? Um, well, obviously, I, uh, I I love them in lots of ways, I have to say. I think there is true wisdom. I mean, we chatted a lot about that. There's so much. And the more we chatted, the more we kind of found out about them. So it's it's a really lovely uh, uh, source of wisdom. And, and they're quite old, I suppose, really. Um, uh, I love the sound of them. I, I mentioned quite a lot. It was talking about the rhyme and so on. I think they're very poetic. And that makes them easier to remember, actually, because they're they're kind of catchier, you know, like in a, yeah. in a musical sense. Um, but also, I, I do think they're good learning aids because um, they could serve as examples for you. If you're learning Irish and you think, I can't remember what I should do in this situation, that situation. If you can recall a phrase which has an example of that, then that'll serve as a great example. And any phrases which you can call recall without without stress are great like that. Often I would just use common phrases from Irish life. If we talk about uh, the house of the president here in Dublin is called Aras and Uchtarain. It's just over there, um, the other side of the trees from me. Aras and Uchtarain. So that's a phrase people know in Ireland or Radio Nagaeltachta is the radio station for the Gaeltacht. So it's a great example for people. Now they're not proverbs. The proverbs do a similar thing. Ah, the verb is at the start. Or something like um, as we talked about, that rhyme happens because of uru, an initial mutation. So they can be great little um, things which are easy to recall and they can serve as great examples if you are studying something about grammar or maybe vocabulary or, or other things. Yeah. Um, my own takeaway from this is to use these more often. There's a lot of wisdom. It's been lovely mm -hmm. uh, diving into the subtleties with you, Neil, uh, into these. And yeah, there's a lot of insight, isn't there, in these proverbs. And maybe that's a challenge if you're watching or listening to this and you're learning the Irish language or you're dipping your toes in, maybe you could choose one that really resonates with you and 
you know, write it out, print it out, uh, whatever it takes, but take on that proverb and let it sit with you. And hopefully you can internalize it and be able to tell it uh, to other people even. And yeah, it. it's a long list. So it, it is maybe a good idea to narrow it down a little bit. Choose a few that you like. And, um, you know, if, if you are in another part of the world where other people aren't speaking Irish around you, um, these are just standalone phrases. It's not, they don't demand a whole conversation. So if you um, are uh, do, doing some work or making a trip with your partner, you could just think to yourself or say out loud, hmm, Gary and Bert's boher. And uh, it doesn't really matter if the other person or the dog, whoever it is, doesn't understand. Um, but you can apply that. So if you think about it in the right situation, if you think, hmm, it's Mahin Shkeli on Amsha, uh, time will tell, and so on. Uh, they'll, you'll feel the, the truth of that. They'll come alive for you. Yeah. Um, I agree. It's it's quite a long list we've had, and it's been interesting seeing the different themes. Um, but yeah, it's like we're not expecting anyone either to learn these off by heart either. Um, but yeah, maybe pick one or two that are interesting to you. So, Neil, to finish up, what my call to action to people watching, if you're on watching this on YouTube, leave a comment. Of what is your favorite Irish language proverb? Let us know, is it in this list or not? And why? What do you love about it? And you can search um, for our blog entry as well, where it's top Irish language proverbs on Bite Size Irish. And on that page, you've got all the recordings. So you've got the recordings and the phonetic pronunciation. So if you want to dig a little deeper and practice at your own time, that might be more suitable than watching our, uh, this video and trying to learn it that way. Or um, if you're listening to this, trying to catch what we're saying. So come to that blog post, um, Top Irish Language Proverbs, and it's a good self-paced uh, resource for you. So I'll leave it at that. Uh, Neil, Gurmila Magat, really enjoyed this conversation. Gurmagat. Gurmagat Hen, yeah, really enjoyed it. Wish you and similar fad. Yeah, as alluded to there, that was originally a YouTube broadcast. You can watch that back, of course. Just look us up on YouTube, Bite Size Irish. But uh, for the podcast listener, all of those shanuckle are included in the description of this podcast and also over there on our website too. So, myhu as a vegeshtacht, Well done on any listeners who've made it all this way. And uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with the next episode of the Bite Size Irish podcast. And again, it's going to be an interesting, very special, very topical episode next time. So be looking forward to that. Slam lat. Cool.